everybody, welcome to episode 34 here on What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum, I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. I'm Austin Ivey, and I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy, and we're both going to school to be married and family therapists here in Utah. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what's called the biopsychosocial model. We've talked about this quite a bit in our past episodes, and so it's about time that we explain what it is and go a bit in depth. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. Okay, everybody, here we go. Let's get right into it. This is going to come from the article from study.com. We will link it down in the description. This is a fire article that actually explains it really well. And so we figured we might as well use basically the whole thing. Yes. If you want to learn more for it, just check it out. It's a really good resource to learn more about this. Yeah. It's awesome. So I think when we first talk about, or when we think about psychological disorders, or mental disorders, things mm-hmm. like depression, anxiety, uh, eating disorders. If you want to learn more about those, by the way, go to our What About series every Thursday, 7 a.m. And a little plug there. but <laughs> <laughs> We can plug ourselves. <laughs> um, I think the, the most common thing is that people say, oh, it, it's just a chemical imbalance. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's moving more towards that, like more and more as time goes on when it comes to mental health, that it's simply something is wrong, like a wiring problem in your brain, and you can fix that with said pill or this or that substance can fix that chemical imbalance, then you'll be better. Right. And it's, it's, it's somewhat misleading. Right. That's kind of the stigma that's behind mental illness right now. And the biopsychosocial model, or we'll probably refer to it as the BPS, it's a lot smaller, easier to say. Yeah, not a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah. So the BPS model that kind of debunks that idea that it's just a chemical imbalance. And honestly, for quite some time, I also believed it was just a chemical imbalance. Like, oh, you just need more serotonin, which will help you feel happy. Or, oh, you just need more dopamine to give you more energy. Mm -hmm. And yes, that can be true, but that's not the only thing to take into account, obviously, when dealing with mental disorders. So the BPS model was developed by George L. Engel and John Romano of the University of Rochester in 1977. So it's been around for quite some time, but I mean, you know, if you're not studying mental health in school or you don't do a lot of reading in that realm, then you probably haven't heard of this. I learned about this for the first time. When was it? Like two months ago or something? Yeah, for me, it was probably, it was last semester when I first heard of this. And so like four or five months ago for me. Yeah, So fairly recent. Yeah. So what's interesting about this model is that opposed to the medical model, which was used before the BPS model, which focused on mental disorders as being a disease, the BPS model is more of a holistic approach in realizing that each individual is unique. And we all have our own experiences, thoughts, feelings, family history, and no one no one person is the same. You can come from the same family. You can even be a twin, right? And you won't be the same. You'll experience things differently. Obviously, they have more in common than the average person who doesn't have a twin. But yeah. regardless, there are still differences that make you a unique human being. And I think the BPS model is, I think it's a really beautiful approach to mental health yeah. and to really diving deep and coming to understand a human being using this model as, I mean, the model as an outline to kind of 
uh, to approaching mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think a lot of diagnoses and um, treatment plans and the stigmas behind mental health is that it's either it's simple, simply a chemical imbalance or it's a complex, un, non-understandable, right. void. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's really hard to understand for some people and um, it can be really hard to find out why a person has anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. You could easily describe it as a chemical imbalance, but that's a little bit of an overgeneralization. It's kind of a scapegoat these yeah, it's days. A, yeah, it's a scapegoat, yeah. And, um, so this this model, the BPS, can really help us understand why a person has anxiety and depression on a broader scale, not just because of some things going inside, on inside of their brain. And so it also can help us understand what elements are involved, ranging from our physical bodies to our thoughts to our, our friends. And that's basically what it is. And so we can identify, and this comes straight from the article. I'm reading straight from the article right here. I don't want to plagiarize, but the article says we can often identify many factors leading to the development of a psychological disorder, such as genetics, difficulty regulating emotions, or environmental stress. There is so much to consider that psychologists have adopted what is called the biopsychosocial model, or the BPS, which examines biological, psychological, and social factors affecting an individual to examine how and why disorders occur. And what I was thinking about this episode, and I forgot to mention this before we got started, so this is kind of out of left field for you, Nick, but one of my favorite TV shows is the TV show House. And if you've ever seen that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like, kind of like Sherlock Holmes, but for medicine, for, yeah. for these, co- yeah, excuse me, whoa, sorry about that. Woo. These uh, complex, like, medical disorders, and like, and if anyone who hasn't seen it, um, like I said, it's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes-esque show. And this main character, Greg House, is this diagnostic doctor, this leading doctor in Massachusetts. And he has this team where people from all across the area will come to their hospital to get their really complex medical diagnosis figured out. And what they'll do in that, which really made me think about this, is that instead of just treating the symptoms, like, oh, they have um, they had cardiac arrest, so let's do this, or they, they're having this symptom, so let's just give them that medicine, they go check out the house for toxins. They hmm. they do interviews about their mental health. They do all these different things to figure out what is really going on that could be treating that could be causing these issues. They treat the underlying cause, and that's really what the BPS um, focuses on. Is rather than just treating symptoms like chemical imbalances, which are typically just symptoms rather than a cause, instead of just doing that, it focuses on the whole picture, the whole pie, the whole. Um, the whole broad spectrum of what could be going on to truly figure out what is going on with the person instead of just treating symptoms. And so if you've seen house, the BPS is what those characters do in that show. They take the whole picture to figure out what's really going on with people. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I watched a lot of house in medical anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where you watched it too? I, my mom loved it when I was growing okay. up. And so I watched it before that. And then I watched it a ton in medical anatomy as well. Yeah. But that's kind of the approach they take with it. That's kind of what I thought of is they're very, um, broad spectrum with it rather than just, oh, he has this symptom. It must be this. It's well, sometimes they do that. Yeah. But then house is always like, no, you got to think about this. You got to think about that and how this correlates with that. And that's kind of what psychologists that do psychologists that use the BPS. That's what they do is they could say this person has anxiety symptoms, so it must be not enough serotonin. And so they would, a psych, a psychiatrist or a psychologist would just, I don't know, prescribe some SSRI or benzodiazepine or something. When in reality, it's because they they miss their their friends that they're across the country, and that's a social mm. thing, not a right. chemical thing. Yeah. And so we're gonna get more into that, but that's what I mean when I say not just treating symptoms, and why I bring up that TV show is because 
a lot of doctors even just do that with actual physical things right. like, um, like diabetes and other, I guess, phys- physiological ADHD, ADHD is a big like one. That. Yeah. Just prescribing medicines and pushing medications when the real issue is something either social or psychological mm. and you're just missing the bigger picture. And so this helps us see that bigger picture. This model does rather than just seeing the little minute details that we could, that could oversimplify what's really going on. Yeah. It really helps you see that people that struggle really have a lot more going on than you know. It's not just, oh, you know, he has something wrong in his brain. Like, no, there's a lot more to that person's life than you'll probably ever know. And so it can also help you you practice some more empathy and kind of put yourself in their shoes. You don't know what's going on exactly. And so it'll help you show more empathy towards people. Mm-hmm. But okay, so the first area of the biopsychosocial model, it's in the name, so as bio or biological. Now again, this is going to come right from the article, then we're going to talk about it. So the bio component of this theory examines aspects of biology that influence health. These might include things like brain changes, genetics, or functioning of major body organs such as the liver the kidneys, or even the motor system. For example, and they give, this article gives awesome examples through every Mm -hmm. section. So the first one here, for example, let's say that Joanne has an accident that leaves her with reduced movement in her right arm. This biological change might influence how she feels about herself, which could lead to depression or anxiety in certain situations. And so it's a great example of how something that happens physically, like with Joanne's arm here, Poor Joanne. She's in every example here. She's, yeah, poor Joanne. Yeah, she's Hard had, life. had a rough time. Yeah. But because of this physical ailment, this physical issue that she has with her right arm, it can also cause things, uh, like, like it says, to feel bad about herself, which can cause things like depression and anxiety. And so instead of just saying, oh, you know, she's sad because her, because, her, uh, or let's say she has depression or anxiety, someone would say, oh, Chemical imbalance, balance. <laughs> but they may not know that her right arm can't work uh, fully, which that's the main cause of her depression. And so you see how kind of that, those biological factors can play a role in the psychology, psychological, or the social aspect of, of these things. And all of these play off each other as well. And sometimes in, well, in every disorder, there's one section that's usually going to be bigger. And for things like depression or anxiety, yes, like things like biology, like genes, your predispositions can be bigger. Let's say even half, half the pie. So can think of a pie and there are three slices and half of the pie could be biology. Like, yeah, it really could be part of it can be a chemical imbalance Mm -hmm. that can play a big role, like half of the problem, but it's not the whole problem. We also need to take into account the psychosocial and social, or psychological, sorry, psychosocial. Yeah. But yeah, psychosocial, both of those play a role as well. And so sometimes, you know, each piece, each mental disorder, each person, the pieces are going to look different in how much of a role they play yeah. in their life. But all three will most of the time always play a role. Exactly. And that's something that uh, this article points out in depth, I mean, the parts that we're not really going to be talking about, but it gives this 
I, sh I guess I should say first that whenever you look, if you Googled right now on your phone, on your laptop, biopsychosocial model, you would get a bunch of Venn diagrams, like, but the three part ones, like the circle on top and the two circles on the bottom, like a pyramid. Yeah. And there's intersections all over the place. And so, like Enoch's saying, they're like, maybe at one point that bio part of that Venn diagram is a little bit bigger and it's contributing, contributing to the problem more. But as we're going to learn with the next two parts, it's never just by itself. It's never just a biological thing. It's never just a psychological thing. And it's never just a social thing. They all interact with each other. And so if you fix one part, it's going to interact with another part of it. Yeah. If you focus on the biological aspect, that's going to have an effect, negative or positive, on the psychological. And so hopefully this is all making sense now that it's just all connected. All three of these aspects of this model are connected and you can't see them as separate parts. You have to, well, according to this model, according to this theory, right. the approach needs to be in all aspects of the model. And we'll see if we can put a picture down in the show notes for you as yeah. well. So if you just scroll down, there's either going to be a link or the picture. I don't know if we can put just pictures there, but there will be a link there for sure. Of just yeah. the diagram. Is that way you can kind of see how they do interact and how they they're in the very center they all interact in each other and how they just separately interact with one another and so i guess moving on to the next system which would be the psycho or the psychological part of it um the psycho component of the theory again this comes straight from the article examines psychological components things like thoughts emotions or behaviors uh, joanne might go through many different psychological changes she might experience decreased self-esteem fear of judgment or feel inadequate in her life or job. These changes in thoughts might lead to changes in behaviors, like avoiding certain situations, staying at home, or quitting her job. As she engages in these behaviors, her injury might worsen, or she could suffer further depression and anxiety. And so I love how they tie it together, because um, the biological, the, the broken or dismembered, whatever, the arm is not working properly the way it should, um, that's giving her anxiety because of that. But that is changing, also changing her thoughts. And now her thoughts are involved in the way that she feels about her life. She might feel inadequate that she might be able not might not be able to do her job correctly now because of because of the arm. But now that's changing the way her thoughts and her behaviors are manifesting themselves. And so that's a perfect example of how these two things interact with each other. Her arm biological change, that's a normal thing, is now changing her behavior. And so, um, and I guess maybe signaling out, maybe the source is psychological. Let's say you just have a personality disorder or some type of, I don't know, some type of mental disorder that would be the source of the issues. Like, let's yeah. say you have a personality disorder that could affect your, that could affect you biologically. Let's say you have an anxiety disorder where you ruminate a lot and you overthink. Yeah. And that's a strictly a, like the thoughts are strictly a psychological, but how is that? implementing and manifesting itself biologically, probably in increased breathing rates, um, headaches. A lot of the time for me, I get a lot of headaches. And so it just shows the link between the two there. Yeah. So that that's the, kind of the psycho part of it. I should say psychological because you're not psycho. That's the psychological part of it, that it's, uh, it's really our thoughts and our behaviors and how that interacts with other things. There's a movie called Psycho. Had to watch it for one of my film literature classes. It was made in like, man, I don't even know. Back in the day when they had black and white TV. <laughs> black and white. Did I say black and light? Black and white. Black and white TV. Anyway, 
Psycho. If you want to know what a Psycho is, watch that movie. That one. Yeah, it's great. It's kind of scary too. It's like their version of horror back in the day. Oof. That doesn't really compete with now. Don't like horror. Yeah, me either. Not a fan. Mm-mm. Anyway, so with things like psychological issues, like thoughts, behaviors, in our upcoming What About series on Thursday, we're going to be talking about depression. And I think one thing that can play one of the biggest roles in depression is the psychological areas mm-hmm. of your life. You know, how you control your thoughts, what you do think about, if you ruminate a lot. And those can play a big role in how you feel, especially with anxiety as well. You can feel anxious if you think about, you know, social social situations or things that make you anxious. If you ruminate on those, those can cause a lot of uh, issues there. Yeah, definitely. And so a lot of issues, a lot of struggles do come from the psychological here. And same thing with all of these. I mean, they all have their piece of the pie. Yeah, and for good reason, they're all linked together. Right. Like they all have exactly. their very important sections. That's the whole point of the model is that each one of these are equal parts. Not There's not one that's more important. Biological is not more important. Psychological and vice versa. Now that we're talking about social next, that's just as important as taking care of your biological and psychological health. It's yep. None of them is more important than another, but one can play a bigger part in a certain issue. Yeah. That's kind of what we're... Exactly. That's the distinction we're trying to make here is that when it comes to healing... I guess all aspects need to be focused on, but there could be one aspect that's causing more of an issue. Right. So yeah, keep all, that in mind. All aspects of your life, every part of you is important just as equally. Just some others might play a bigger role. Yeah. So let's go on to the last section here, which is the social aspect of the biopsychosocial model. The social component, again, this comes from the article, of the BPS model examines social factors that might influence the health of an individual. Things like our interactions with, interactions with others, our culture, or our economic status. A possible social factor for Joanne could be her role in her household. Perhaps Joanne is a new mother. An injured arm might reduce her ability to care for her new baby. Being unable to fulfill this social role might trigger problems with her husband or other family members causing Joanne stress that could lead to further biological or psychological problems. So again, the article just ties it in perfectly here, how because of her arm, that can also play a big role in her social life, in her interactions, like at work or with the new baby, with her husband. That can put a lot of stress on her husband too. If she can't fully take care of the baby, then the husband's going to have to step in. And if he already has a lot of stress in his life, then that can make her life more stressful because he could kind of be angry or on edge a lot. And you see how this just is a loop that could, that can go on and on and on mm-hmm. and these things feed off of each other. And so if you have one area one day where, you know, it gets, it triggers like in like a, you have a trigger with like, let's take Joanne's example here. If her husband says, you can't take care of the baby because of your arm. And that puts a lot of stress on me that can trigger the psychological part where she can think thoughts like, oh, I'm just not good enough mm-hmm. or I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good wife. And then all that, again, comes right back to the biological factor of she hurt her arm. And so they just feed off each other and they can, they can be in a positive feedback loop. They can also be in a negative feedback loop where when you focus on one area, to try and heal 
and to mend. That can also heal and mend at least a part of different sections. So it can have a, have a positive effect or a negative effect like we, just, like we just talked about. So all of this is just one big chain that everything is just linked to yeah. one another. If you don't know that by now, we've said that like 50 times in this episode. It's literally the whole <laughs> so point though. Like yeah, this. it's the whole model, yeah. which I think again is a beautiful aspect of this model. It's, it shows the whole person, not just one aspect of a person. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into our last little part here of what, what does this mean for you listening? Because each of you listening, each has their own very unique life, as we said in the beginning, and you have your unique issues. Let's say you have a really bad anxiety disorder, general anxiety, social anxiety, panic disorder. Maybe you're really depressed. Maybe you have bipolar. Maybe you have ADD or ADHD, something that you struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis that you are maybe on medication for or have tried a bunch of different things. And for you listening, this model can help you understand that your struggles, both mental and physical, you could apply this to your physical life as well. Let's say you have some type of physical, physical condition, it links perfectly. But as, what a good reminder is when you think about said issue, you're probably thinking about that right now, that that issue is linked to all many aspects of your life, biologically, psychologically, and socially. So when you're trying to heal, the best thing you can do is to take a step back and to go through this model, to think about, try to like think about and try to find areas in each aspect of the model, bio biologically, psychologically, and socially, that could be contributing to the problem. Like I guess for Joanne, for example, she her arm is not working like properly. It's let's say it's some type of nerve damage. She can't move it properly. Is that the real issue, or is the real issue that she because of that she cannot perform properly at work and that's making her depressed so so does she need to find a new job where she doesn't feel so so much of a burden on other people so hopefully that's making sense to where um some might look at her and say oh it's it's the arm or some might say look at her and say well, because of the arm now she has a chemical imbalance so we need to treat that yeah but the whole point of this is to take a step back and go through each aspect of the model and find all the things that are contributing to the problem so you can treat the issue and not the symptoms. Because when we treat just one area, we could be missing the underlying condition, we could be missing the underlying problem and just be treating the symptoms rather than curing the disease. And so the best kind of healing comes when we focus on all aspects of our life. And that is kind of the shift that I know I'm gonna to try to make going into my, my years as a therapist and that we're trying to make and that a lot of mental health professionals are trying to push that it's not just one thing, it's not, Humans are so complex and so... Very complicated. <laughs> and we're so high maintenance sometimes. But beautiful. Beautifully high maintenance. Beautifully high maintenance. And so... That's great. Um, and with that being said, if you focus on one aspect and you neglect, let's say the problem you think is psychologically, you need to try to fix your thoughts and try to control the way you think a little bit more. If you just focus on that and you neglect maybe some of the biological problems and the social problems... The issue is really just going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so that's why right. I think people get worse as they try to go through treatment because they really only focus on one aspect. If you think mental health, and this is, I have a huge beef with an app called Cerebral. I always mm. see this. They see mental health care as pills from what I've mm. found that like the, all the ads are like, I couldn't afford mental health care. And it's, it's really just medication. Yeah. And that's a huge aspect of, of, of mental health care for a lot of people. And for most people need that to help them heal. But as we've said multiple times on this show, 
pills are not mental health care. They're not the answer. It's not the answer. It's, it's a, an aid. It's a, it's like a bandaid. It's like yeah. a, it's like a cast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so many things, but it's not a cure ever. I'll say it's never a cure. I'll go as far to say that it's never a cure. Um, but I guess going back to that, um, I don't know why I brought up that app. I have, I have no beef with the, the founders. I'm sure they're trying to do great things, but I think yeah. it can be quite misleading right. that just taking a pill is all that you need. And if you've learned anything from this episode, you probably now know that that's, that's not the case. It's, it's so many different things. You need to focus on your relationships. How are your relationships maybe contributing to your anxiety? Maybe you have a friendship that you lost and that's causing the chemical imbalance. And if you just take a bunch of pills, that, that's going to help you feel better, but it's not going to fix the problem because you still have that relationship problem. Yeah, just going to bury those even further. Exactly. So when you focus on the entire BPS model, when you focus on the entire picture, that's where true healing comes from, not just yeah. feeling better. Yeah. And that's I think that's the, the message we're trying to send today, that you can truly heal when you focus on all aspects of your life instead of just feeling better for a short amount of time and then just going back to where you were. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole subject for another day, but feeling good is not, does not mean you're healed if you feel mm -hmm. good. And I think that's where the whole medication stigma comes into play where if you feel better, you're healed or you're healing. And that can be true. That's a sign. Yeah. But good people signal. say, if I feel good, I'm good to go. Like I'm, I'm all set. But those feelings could just be buried or those issues buried a little more because of medication. And again, this is, don't want to go too deep into it, but just the, the thing we're trying to get across here is that, like we've said before, every, every single person, you listening, me, Austin, we are all so different. And that's what makes all of us unique. That's what makes all of us beautiful and amazing in our own ways. And we need to be treated as such, which means going from every point of view, every angle of our lives to try and see kind of where the main issue is and to kind of treat every area of your life. So I hope this video, this episode made sense. If not, re-listen to it. Shoot us an episode or shoot us a, a message on Instagram. Leave down in the comments below on YouTube or you can't really leave comments on a podcast, but you can leave a review. So if you didn't like it, Hey, put a one-star review and say why. I hate the biopsychosocial episode. Yeah, like if that's the case, then say <laughs> yeah. it in the review. Like, the yeah, moment. let us know. I mean, Reach you don't get us. a bunch of feedback, but it would be awesome if we did. And We'd it would really that. help us. Yeah, it really would. Yeah. So, hope, again, hope you learned something new and hope you can apply this in your life. If anything, you can just remember this and realize that everyone who has struggles, which means everyone, we all have issues, we all have struggles, there are a bunch of different factors that affect those issues and that affect that person. And so this is just a gentle reminder to do your best to be maybe a bit more kind, a bit more polite to that person you see in the morning at work or maybe a student if you're a teacher that's really annoying. Or a coworker. Or, or a coworker. Sure we all have those. Yeah, we all have those. But just think about all these different factors that can play into their life that do play a role in their life and it can have a a drastic effect on how they act and how they yeah. behave. That coworker could have something biological that it's really bugging them or a relationship that's bothering them or some type of psychological disorder. And so like Enoch said, use this as an opportunity to maybe become a little bit more empathetic to the people around you because 
there's so many aspects of human life that could um, cause them to be a little less than or feel a little less than. So yeah. Hopefully maybe a little bit more aware of all the things that can contribute to a person's, I guess, mental status. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. Again, every Thursdays now we're doing about the What About series. So join us on Thursday. We're going to be talking about depression this Thursday. So a little teaser there. But taking us out, as always, is the great, the wonderful, the talented Danny D. Thanks for listening. What about, what about therapy? 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 Yeah. What about, what about therapy? 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 Yeah.